Come on, let's praise him for his healing touch, for his healing power. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated uh, this evening in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> We're going to uh, look into the word of the Lord this evening and, and begin at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We continue with our series, Blameless. How many want to stand before the Lord God, Blameless? Hallelujah. What a beautiful moment it will be when we hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I will tell you, though, that there are many snares from here to there. The Bible says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. So don't kid yourself. Though we walk by faith and though we uh, live for the Lord and we serve him with gladness, there is an effort on the part of the enemy to destroy you and I. And the scripture says that Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He has desired to sift you as wheat. We have to understand that about our adversary, that he is in the business of tripping us up. He's in the business of, of throwing us off course, and, and we are not to be ignorant of his devices. And, of course, this is where evil tempts us. The Bible says that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And, and in the same verse of Scripture, the book of James, we understand that the Lord does not tempt us with evil. He's not tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So when we talk about temptations uh, of evil, these come from the enemy. And they are there to trip us up. Now, uh, the Lord can allow us to, to, uh, to uh, go through some things in life, trials of faith, trials of fire, tests of our faith, and things of that nature. But those are for our good, and that is different than the snares of the enemy. The snares of the enemy are, are those, uh, those moments, those opportunities that come to us that seek to destroy our soul. And they threaten the very blamelessness and innocence that we will need as we stand before God in judgment. Amen. So we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to pick back up onto our series. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to begin at the 22nd verse. Abstain from all appearance of evil. This is, I cannot emphasize this enough. I cannot, I cannot bring this to bear in our hearing uh, to any greater degree. I just You can't emphasize it enough. Abstain, 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 abstain from all appearance of evil. There is no good that will ever come from evil things except in the form of repentance and the Lord working what the devil meant for evil out for the good. But in terms of evil itself, there is nothing good that will come of it. So abstain from all appearance of evil. And in doing this, the very God of peace, sanctify you and I completely, wholly. And I pray, Paul speaking, that God will your whole spirit, soul, and body preserve blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus 
Christ. So we're going to talk about how to abstain from all appearance of evil, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Don't quench the Spirit, because the Spirit is the thing, the very essence that will provide you the power to abstain from all appearance of evil. But tonight we're going to speak in terms of despise not prophesyings. We're going to concentrate on this matter, despise not prophesyings. In your quest to be blameless before God, in your efforts to abstain from all appearance of evil, one of the closest allies that you will have in your walk with God is the power of the prophetic word of God. The power of prophecy. We see this in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament. And we have experienced this uh, in our own lives. That the power of prophecy comes to us at the most significant times of life. And speaks into our spirits. And causes us to have fresh perspective. A fresh word from God. Now we, need, we need this because as you know, and I, uh, and I know, that our bodies are at war with us. Our bodies sabotage the work of the Holy Ghost in us. And so it very, uh, very, uh, very much so can be the case that a person can make up their mind to live for the Lord to do the good things of God, to have a real, beautiful uh, experience with God that leaves them in a position of, of having strong desire for the things of the Lord. But in just a, a little while of going without prayer, a little while of going without reading and studying and applying the word of the Lord, just a little while, of not worshiping God and being in His presence, and you can feel already your body trying to backslide, trying to pull your spirit down into some kind of a strange uh, uh, malaise of some sort. And, uh, and so it can happen quickly. You sometimes don't even know it's happening until you snap at somebody. You don't even know it's happening until you... You feel some kind of a carnal desire. And you think, well, wait a minute. I thought, that I, I thought that I did away with that. Well, you did. But because your body is fallen and is in the process of dying, you must renew your mind daily in order not to be conformed to this world. See, this is what we understand. If, you're, if you do renew your mind, according to Romans chapter 12... Verse 1, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's what we understand, two things. One, if you will renew your mind in the good things of God, then you will be transformed. It will happen automatically. 
Renew your mind in Calvary. Renew your mind in the blood. Renew your mind in the word of God. Renew your mind in the peace that passes understanding. Renew your mind in the perfect love that casts out fear. Renew your mind in the, the, the powers of the world to come. The powers of heaven. Heavenly places. Renew your mind in the working of the Holy Ghost. And you will be transformed. But here's the second truth that we get from that verse of scripture. If you do not renew your mind, then you will be conformed to this world. So, so if you want to backslide, it's very simple. Just stop renewing your mind in the things of God. Stop renewing your mind in the truth of the word of the Lord. Stop uh, exposing yourself to the fresh prophetic word from the Lord. Stop exposing yourself to his presence. If you're really bent on backsliding, there's a way to do it. You, you don't have to work real hard. You just simply make absent those powers of God that convert your soul. But we, of course, are not of them who draw back unto perdition. But we are of them who believe, hallelujah, to the saving of the soul. And so we look at the renewing of our mind as being a daily, not chore, not ritual, not obligation, but a daily opportunity to draw closer to God and thus be transformed into this child of God. You, if you're looking for an example of transformative power, you won't find it in this world. You'll find it in the church, but you won't find it in the world. You're not going to find anybody in the world who worships the gods of this world who is an example of what you want to become so don't look upon anybody in this world as being the iconic image of what you want to be there is nobody who fits the description of what you and i should want to be except one and his name is jesus christ and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when he shall appear, we shall be like him. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be blameless before the Lord. I can't do that on my own. And so I, I go through these steps. I rejoice evermore. It is well with my soul. I pray without ceasing. I never think I give thanks. And I quench not the spirit, the moving of the Holy Ghost in my life. And despise not prophesying the bible says that the that the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but by holy men of old who spake as they were moved by the holy ghost the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but by holy men of old who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that the scripture is of no private interpretation. In other words, it's all here and it's out in the open. This is why you can look at any type of, of uh, writing or any collection of writings on any subject in the world, be it legal or medical or political or anything military, anything of that nature, any industry, certainly technology, any industry, any field, and if you, if you look at writings that existed in, in one particular uh, era, 
and compared those writings to another era, you would find dramatic changes in, in perspective among the experts of that particular field. There will be things written beforehand that will be disqualified uh, decades later or a hundred years later or hundreds of years later. But when you look at the word of the Lord, you're looking at writers who were separated by millennium. And yet their words are consistent with one another. This is amazing. And they're not even cut from the same cloth, so to speak, as far as the world is concerned. You've got shepherds, and you've got lawyers, and you've got doctors, and you've got uh, gardeners, and you have tree dressers. You have a wide variety of occupations represented, but they all have one thing in common. They were alone with God in a secret place. And when they spoke, they did not speak after their own will. When they spoke, they did not speak according to the desires of their own heart or their own flesh, but they spoke the word of the Lord as the Holy Ghost moved upon them to speak his word. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says this, that I have put my word in your mouth. Now that's amazing. God didn't even put it in their minds sometimes. I, and maybe he, maybe he knew, of course, we, this kind of goes without saying, he did know what he was doing. But, but it's interesting because you'd think that he would really put things in their minds first and then it would come forth out of their mouth. But sometimes I think God just kind of bypasses our own mind, puts it in our mouth so that we don't have the time to mess it all up with our unbelief. Well, what would you do if God said, all right, in two weeks I want you to get up and tell the world, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Hopefully you would obey, but you better know that it's from God. And so sometimes God would bypass their mind altogether, and he would drop his word in their mouth. I have put my words in your mouth. And so when Isaiah opens up his mouth, he speaks the word of the Lord. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. And in another place, he said that a root shall grow out of a dry ground. Well, that makes no sense whatsoever. That, that's, these are impossible things. He said that, the, that, that waters shall flow in the desert, rivers and streams in the desert, that there will be pools in the parched ground. He was speaking things that were not as though they were. He was speaking the word of prophecy. And here's what is really challenging. Isaiah died before any of it came to pass. And so he didn't have the luxury of being heralded as some great super prophet before it came to pass. He just spoke the word and believed the word. And as he declared the word, people chose whether or not they were going to believe the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter how impossible it may seem or sound. You can bank on the word of God. 
And so you hold on to this Bible with more of a with more of an absolute devotion than you would ever hold on to your newspaper or to your favorite journal or to your favorite uh, to your favorite writing or reading or speaking of any particular individual this word of God is above all things as a matter of fact the Bible says this of the word of the Lord thou hast magnified thy word above thy name now folks we are the people of the name we believe in the power of the name we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ we understand that there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved we understand that it's in the name of Jesus that we receive our healing we understand that it's in the name of Jesus that we receive our protection. It's in the name of Jesus. Everything we do, whatsoever we do in word or even in deed, we do it all in the name of Jesus. And if you believe in my name, you shall cast out devils and you shall take up any deadly thing and it shall not harm you. These signs follow you. If you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. So, so here I am. I'm exalting the name of Jesus. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. But when I speak of the word of God, I'm speaking of, of something that the Lord said. I magnify my word even above my name. So this word is, is the overarching all powerful influence that's so powerful that the word of God can look upon an earth that is without form and is void and darkness covering the face of the deep and all that has to happen is the word of God to go into that world and immediately light emerges and life is in the light and, and God begins to perform his creative power through his spoken word. And so when we speak of prophecy, ladies and gentlemen, we speak of that thing that has life in it. There's life in the prophetic utterance of the word of God. Did you know that when we stand behind this pulpit, that we're, that's what we're doing? We're prophesying. This is the gift of prophecy. It is forth telling, telling forth. It doesn't just mean that I'm going to stand up here and tell you, uh, you know, what tooth is going to get a cavity in the next two weeks. And that's not necessarily what we're talking about. Now, that's word of knowledge, not necessarily the cavity, but something beneficial and edifying uh, to you that maybe the human mind has no way of knowing and people can operate in the gift of the word of knowledge. Be careful with it. Make sure that you're operating in the Holy Ghost if you operate in the word of knowledge. But the gift of prophecy is the declaration of the word of the Lord. It is the telling of the word of God. It is the speaking of the word of God. It is the declarative nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's why I take great pleasure this evening in standing in this pulpit and declaring the word of God. I know that this word is going forth right now and accomplishing what the Lord would have it to accomplish. The power is not in me. The power is in the word. The power is not in how even I would deliver it. Now, I pray that the Lord would anoint my delivery. And I pray that the Lord would anoint my tongue. And I pray that the Lord would anoint the way that I structure the, the message. But, but all of that is subject to the real power which is the power of the Word of God. 
it could be structured clumsily and still have the power to save the human soul. It could be delivered, it could be delivered in a way that maybe doesn't have a human impact, but it has the power to reach into the spirit of man, woman, boy, and girl and change, hallelujah, their heart for God. This is the power of prophecy. It is the declaring of the word of God. It's very important to me. It's very, it's very sacred to me. I don't believe in just getting up and preaching any old thing. I believe in sticking to the word of God. I don't believe in opening this Bible and trying to manipulate through handling, the handling of, or may I say, the mishandling of this sacred text. I believe in rightly dividing the word of truth so that people can be edified by the power of Almighty God. If you rightly divide the word of truth, the church will multiply. But if we add to or subtract from the word of truth, the church divides. So we don't add to it and we don't subtract from it. But we preach the true word of God. We preach it. We preach it. We preach it. We preach it. When the storms come, we preach it. When the waters rise high, we preach it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we preach it. When adversity begins to set itself in array against us, we preach it. We preach it. We preach it. We live preaching it. We die preaching it. This is the word. And when the grass has withered and when the flower has faded the word of our God shall stand forever hallelujah hallelujah heaven and earth shall pass away but my word shall not pass away the word of the Lord says so you better get used to what you're looking at on earth I mean you better go take a good look you go drive through the cut in the hill soon and get a good look because it won't be there long it's going to pass away Get a good look. You just enjoy the scenes because it's going to pass away. And you better get a hold of what's going to stand forever. You better learn to cherish what's going to last forever. Listen, they've tried to ban it. They've tried to burn it. But it's still here. Hallelujah. We're still speaking it. We're still worshiping the holy, invisible God of Israel. My God, heaven. I'm telling you, the Jewish people had no nation. They had no archiving capabilities. There was no place where they could put this sacred text. But it doesn't matter if you can't find a national archives where you can house the word of God. Because this word is forever settled in heaven. It's recorded in the most enduring of all places. I'm telling you that this is the power of God's prophecy to man. And it is not to be despised, it is to be cherished. It is to be relished. Do you know prophets have for so long been despised by the world? My goodness, you, uh, you're taking on a heavy task when you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the word of God. Because when you begin to preach the word of God, you take upon yourself the same bullseye that Jesus had. And you take on that bullseye when you say, I'm going to live for the Lord also. And so we're in this thing together. But to stand up and declare the unadulterated truth of God's word, you're just going to have, you, just, you, you get used to it. The devil hates you. His demons hate you. And the folks that he persuades to hate you hate you. And you just, doesn't matter. You preach the word of God. Hallelujah. If you're living for the Lord tonight, keep on living for the Lord.
You better believe that the devil's after you. He desires to sift you as wheat. He desires to sift you as wheat. You have an adversary. And he'll use every deceptive ploy he can so that he can trip you up and then laugh at your scorn. He's the most cruel, the most cruel entity you've ever encountered. He will tempt you, tempt you, tempt you, and tempt you, and and try to persuade you of, of the allure of what it is he's tempting you with. And then the moment that you step fully into the snare, he swallows you up and mocks you 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 straight into hell. Ladies and gentlemen, it is prophecy that has the power to deliver you from that snare. It is the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God that if you let it get in your heart, if you let it prick your heart, if you let it convict your spirit and convict your soul, the power of God's Word will save you from your own sin. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I can stand as a testimony. If it were not for the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, I would not be here tonight. You know what I'm talking about because you've been there. You've been there where you were bent on a particular path where you were determined in your mind for a particular direction and or perhaps not, maybe in a valley of decision. And you were depressed, confused, lonely, battered, beaten. Maybe you were, maybe you were stricken in your body, but it was the preaching of God's word. Somewhere, somehow, some man, woman of God touched the throne of God and then they came to you with a word from the Lord. A word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, you know, no preacher likes to preach a bad sermon. I'm one of them. I hate it when I preach a bad sermon. I beat myself up and I, oh man, that just didn't, that didn't go over like I thought it was going to go over. And, um, and, and, and there's a reason for it. And it's really not for my own sake. The reason I beat myself up over it is because I know I get so few opportunities to really reach the heart of people. And I don't ever want to waste not, not one of those opportunities to reach the heart of somebody in that audience through the podcast, through the live stream, some, through CD. Passing out of CDs. I don't want to miss the opportunity. This word gains an infinite life of its own. And ministers to the heart of people. But I have learned that when you think you preach badly. Many times that's just you. And your faulty fleshly expectation of things. I'd like to tell the story of when I was in Columbus, Ohio. Preaching the midwinter youth retreat before I moved to Ohio. And there were probably 1,800, 2,000 kids, I'm not sure how many, in downtown Columbus. And they asked me to come from Indiana and preach. And so we came over and I preached and I did horrible. I did horrible. I just got up and preached. I preached what I always preach. I just, I, I, I felt to preach it, believed it was the word from the Lord, anointed of God. And I mean, I put it out there and, and uh, it was like a balloon that didn't have the helium in it. You know how disappointing that is when you go to let a balloon fly away and you want to watch it go up into the sky and then you realize that it wasn't filled up with helium? And I felt like, oh, I didn't put any helium in this sermon. It's just my own 
fleshly air, I guess. I don't know. And I beat myself up over that. I thought, Lord, I don't know what I did wrong, but I did something wrong. It didn't go over like I thought it would go over. And I beat myself up over that. But you can't live under that. you got to move on and keep going and, and do, do better the next time. Well, it was, it was 10 years later that I came back to Columbus. I was at Ohio State University for a panel discussion and uh, on race relations in the church and in America. And as I went to sit on that uh, panel, uh, one of the young men who was asked to host me, he, he met me there and he, he was hosting me. And he said, Pastor Urshan, he said, it's a pleasure to meet you. I said, well, pleasure is mine. He said, do you remember coming to Columbus, Ohio about oh, 10 years ago? Do I ever remember coming to Columbus? Man, trying to forget about it, but I, I remember. He said, well, listen, he said, I was there that night. He said, it was the first night that I ever walked into a Pentecostal church service. He said, I walked in as an atheist, but when you finished preaching, I repented of my sins. I was shocked. I didn't know anybody got anything. So then I started repenting of my sins. Lord, forgive me for not knowing what you were doing. You know, and I got to thinking about it. What if it had gone over, quote, unquote, the way I wanted it to go over? And I wanted just a, a throw down, Pentecostal smackdown, you know, hanging from the chandeliers, throwing chairs and busting through walls kind of a service. And, and God said, no, that's not what we need tonight because there's somebody who's never seen that before. And all they need is to hear the pure, simple, crisp Word of God. So if you'll trust me to be God, if you'll just trust me to be God, then I can use you for my glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, folks, we got to let God be God and just do his will, do his bidding, and let things fall as they may. Glory to God. Oh, let not your heart be troubled. 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 The Lord is in control. And so, so you just preach the word of God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number, e, uh, we're going to say verse number 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you. Now, did you hear what he said? He did, let me tell you what he didn't say. Blessed are you when you get a brand new BMW and a, a 7,000 square foot home. No, no, that's not what he said. He said, blessed are you when men shall revile you and shall persecute you. See, the way that God counts blessings and the way the world counts blessings are two different things. You are blessed when men revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, hallelujah, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And now here's our opportunity. When we're reviled, you don't get this opportunity if you're not reviled and persecuted. If you're not reviled and persecuted, then you don't get this opportunity. But if, if you're reviled and you're persecuted and folks say may all manner of evil against you falsely, now you get an opportunity to be something that otherwise you would not have been able to have and be. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You get the opportunity to be the light of the world when you are reviled. You get the opportunity to be the salt of the earth when you are persecuted. You get the opportunity to let your light so shine before men with no bushel covering it when folks say all manner of evil against you falsely. So instead of pouting, doubting, can't think of another word that rhymes right now. But instead of getting down in, in the dumps about that, rejoice. Then be exceeding glad. This is what they did with the prophets before you. And so Israel would do this. Israel would despise prophets. Jesus said as he came to Jerusalem in one of the great lamentations of the scripture. He looked out over the city that he came to save. And he said, oh Jerusalem. Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you like a hen would brood over her chicks. But you would not. You would not. Listen, he can say this. Oh, I know. I can hear. I, I feel like he's talking to Jerusalem, but I feel like he's talking to me. I can hear him say, oh, Joel. Oh, Joel. How often I would gather you and perform my will in your life. But you would not. Because I would send prophets and you would kill them. I would send teachers and preachers and you would crucify them. You would despise the prophesying. You would, you would despise what it was they were saying. You know, sometimes we pick churches that we agree with, right? I mean, you, how can we walk together except we agree? But you know, what a tragedy for us to, to try to heap to ourselves teachers having itching ears. And a lot of our nation is, is doing that today. Instead of, instead of really letting the word of God challenge us, there is a healthy despising of prophecy that exists in our world. And, and prophecy wasn't meant to come to your birthday party and sit down next to you and blow your candles out with you. And pat you on the back over every decision you make. Prophecy is meant to conflict with your flesh. Prophecy is meant to confront your flesh. And so we don't despise prophecy. We embrace prophecy. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. I remember one of the great... Prophecies that came to me in my life was such a very unique one. Uh, Brother Mike Anderson prophesied this over me when I was a young man. And I, he, he said, Joel, I have a word from the Lord for you. And I said, all right, I'm ready to hear it. I was ready to hear what nations I was going to go to. I was ready to hear, you know, what dignitaries I was going to witness to. I was ready to hear all that God was going to do and where all God was going to take me and what all God was going to do. And so I've got my hands uplifted, my eyes closed, and I'm ready to speak, Lord. I can't wait to climb that mountain, ride that cloud, whatever it is. 
And this was the prophecy. He said, eat right, drink right, rest right, and I'll do the rest. And I thought, well, now, that wasn't quite the exhilarating prophecy that I was looking for. But do you know when I went in through a series of sicknesses and bouts with my health, that prophecy came back to me? In fact, I received a report from a doctor one time that was very unnerving and, and spooked me. And I, uh, I, I was praying about it. And, of course, this was during a period of my life where I was battling with fear and the Lord was giving me victory over fear. And I'll never forget my sister called me because the Lord called that prophecy back to my sister. And she called me and said, I just, I just felt the Lord tell me to call you and remind you of what that, about that prophecy Brother Anderson spoke to you when, you were, when we were kids. And I said, which one? Eat right, drink right, rest right, and I'll do the rest. I said, that's exactly what I needed. That's, that was for now. That was a word from the Lord for right now. So I began to eat right, drink right, sleep right. And the Lord began to replenish my body, began to renew my strength, and gave me a peace concerning the negative reports that I was receiving from, from the physicians. The word of God will come to you at the most important times. Don't despise those times. Embrace those times. Embrace the word of God. God speaks to us and it is our cue and our clue that the Lord is with us when he gives us a word. I'm going to tell you something. If you get a word from the Lord and you receive a word of prophecy, you need to thank God every day that he's doing that because that means he's not done with you. And he has not turned on you. He's extending his mercy to you. Do you know there's a terrifying, there's a terrifying verse of scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul says of a man, deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now, ladies and gentlemen, God wants you and I saved. And sometimes, if nothing else will reach us and we move beyond the point of no uh, no uh, benefit being derived from his word or his spirit, then the Lord will allow us to be delivered unto Satan the devourer so that our flesh will be destroyed. That's a terrifying prospect. And yet, when I hear the word of prophecy come to me, it's a reminder he's with me and he's leading me and he's guiding me and he knows where I am. And he knows what I need. And so don't despise those prophecies. There are landmark messages that God will give you in your life. I remember when I was preaching in San Diego with my dad. And uh, we were preaching a men's conference there. And uh, we, we were preaching a doubleheader one morning. And I stood up to, to deliver the word of the Lord. And when I spoke, I preached a message about Josiah. It was all about Josiah. It was from, from start to finish, it was about the story of Josiah and, and talking about how God used him to restore righteousness uh, just before the captivity and, and a revival broke out just before the captivity began. And, and so it was a whole message on Josiah. And then my dad got up and preached a whole message on grace. He preached grace. He called it the most feared word in Pentecost, grace. 
people don't know exactly what grace is, and so they're terrified of it, and sometimes they won't preach it at all. But grace, by grace, are we saved through faith. And he preached this whole message on grace. So I preached on Josiah. He preached on grace. A man walked up to us after the service and said, listen, he said, I need to tell you that I came to this men's conference. He said, I, I've been having trouble in my family, having trouble with my children. And he said, I didn't know it, what, what to do about it. I've been praying. And I, I was beginning to doubt that I even had adequacy as a father. And uh, he said, I was about to give up on, on, on all of it, my family, my, my, my children. And he said, but as I came into service this morning, I said, Lord, I need a word from the Lord. And I got it. He said, I got a son and a daughter. My son's name is Josiah. My daughter's name is Grace. The Lord knows what we need and when we need it. And he has ways of speaking to us and giving us exactly what we need for that moment. Listen, if that's all you got to hang on to, hang on. If that's all you have to hold on to, hold on. If that's all you have to get you through today, get through the day on that. If that's all you've got to get you through this trial, get through this trial on that. Listen to the word over and over and over and over. Rehearse it, rehearse it, speak it, declare it, believe it, obey it, apply it. Walk in it. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. And don't despise it. Cherish it. Relish it. We're living in a day and an age where it's becoming harder and harder to find somebody who will be honest with the word of God. Lord, deliver us from all things that would oppose the purity of your word. Lord, cleanse us of any and all agendas that would compete with the purity and the sanctity of your holy word. If we will preach and believe and teach the pure word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we can be saved. That power, that word has power to save us from this world. I know this world looks bad. I know this world looks like things are going into a very dangerous uh, set of circumstances. We can feel the spiral starting. We can sense it. We can feel it. We can feel the elders used to call it sins breakers dashing. And we feel it. But I want you to know that what never lost power to deal with what I'm describing is the word of the Lord. The power of prophecy. These words that I'm reading are words I've been reading since I was a child. That gives me great comfort. That gives me great comfort to know that when I I, I, I can open the newspaper and everything in that newspaper has changed. The names are different. The stories are different. The challenges are different. And, 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 and so much of our world has changed. People's belief systems have changed. People's values have changed. So much has changed and so much is changing. A world that is in constant change. But when I open this Bible... The Lord is still my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is still my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When I open this Bible, I can still be the salt of the earth. I can still be the light of the world. I can still be a city on a hill that can't be hid. This word of God never changes. And I love how Malachi put it as he spoke under the spirit of prophecy. The word of the Lord. I, the Lord, change not. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Jeremiah was sunk down into a pit of mire for prophecy. His prophecies were despised. Isaiah was ridiculed, mocked, jeered because his prophecies were despised. Nathan risked his whole life walking into King David's courtroom after King David had uh, committed sin with Bathsheba and, and murdered Uriah the Hittite. And Nathan the prophet walked in with no guarantee of protection, could have had his head chopped off that day. But he put his prophetic finger in David's face and said, Thou art the man. That's the value of a prophet. That's the value of prophecy is, is truth being spoken to those very destructive elements that we have embraced in our life. Don't despise it. Embrace it. Cherish it. And let it lead and guide you in life. Let's stand to our feet tonight and lift up our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. I was at the general conference last evening, and I'll be going back. But I wanted to come in tonight and, and continue our series on blameless and... Uh, as I walked into the general conference, I, I wasn't totally prepared, and I'm, I was humbled by the amount of people that came to me and said, thank you for your podcast. I was humbled by that. Thank you for your podcast. And, and they shared that the Lord has ministered to them in their respective places of ministry their respective fields of labor through the podcast of first apostolic church ladies and gentlemen that's that's us that's you that's that's the work of your ministry that's that's your faithfulness to god and so i wanted to encourage you to know hey we're doing something in the name of the lord and we look around this building and we see the lives that are touched and the lives that are changed. But I'm going to tell you something. Only eternity will tell the full story of how many people and their lives that are being changed by the power and the word of God that goes forth from this place. Hallelujah. So what you're going through is an attempt of the enemy to sift you as wheat. But I can hear the words of Jesus. I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Hallelujah. I want you to know that he is the mediator between God and men. Hallelujah. And when we know not what to pray for as we ought, the Spirit ever maketh intercession for us. Glory to God. Wouldn't the devil love to defeat what God is doing right here in Cincinnati? Wouldn't the devil just love to overthrow and destroy what God is trying to do right here in Cincinnati, Ohio? Well, we've got news for the devil. His works won't work, and his antics aren't going to be successful because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. God is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. And he's coming for a church without spot, without wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb, a glory. Glorious church, a glorious church, a glorious church. And every time we open this Bible, we open up the eternal power of God. I said every time we open this Bible, we open up the eternal power of God. And we speak life, 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 life. Could you lift your hands right now and just let life fill your circumstances right now? 
Let life fill your circumstances right now. Come on, that's it. Let the Word of God, let the prophetic Word of God minister to you right now in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 Come on, that's it. Let's praise Him right now. We're going to sing and we're going to worship God in this house. Come on, all across this building, just let the Spirit of the Lord move upon you. Hallelujah. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And we're not going to despise it. We're going to cherish it. And we're going to say, speak, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. We're here. We're humble. We're ready to listen. Hallelujah. Lord, I know I don't have the answer. I know that my flesh will tangle me up. I know that, God. I understand that, God. And so I need a word. I need a word. I need a word from the Lord to encourage me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.